God is so good. I feel like a big baby today. I just, I do. The Holy Spirit is moving and on our way to church. It brings me great joy to see what God's doing in the lives of people I know and uh, people who are close to me because He's transforming the lives of our loved ones. We don't always see it. The reason why I've been so emotional this morning is because on our way to church, my cousin Jesse preached at my Uncle Ephraim's, which is his dad's church, last week. On our way to church, I actually got on YouTube, found it, and put it on, and we were going to listen to it while we were driving to church, and the message was just so powerful. And Jesse, he's a quick work in the process. The Word says that God will raise him up faster in the later days. And uh, you can see it in Jesse's life. You would think he's been preaching for a decade. I mean, just the fluency and the anointing that he's operating in. And I know him. See, Jesse was born to my Uncle Ephraim and my Aunt Kathy, him, Bobby, and Jamie. They have three sons. And uh, my cousin Bobby was the first one of their three sons to give their lives to the Lord. My Uncle Ephraim always faithfully served the Lord since I can remember. He's been a pastor or he'd fill in at churches or go visit people who were sick. He's, he's just been a faithful minister of the Lord. And uh, anyone who knows us and knows our family, even though my uncle was a preacher and his children were in church, me personally, my brother, and the majority of our family was, was all ungodly. We wasn't raised in a godly home. I wasn't raised in a godly home. Uh, I believed in Jesus at, at a very, very young age, but my concept of who he was, I really didn't know much. I didn't know the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. I just believed what I was told, that there was a God. Because I was talking to my brother, and we were talking about the reality of God, I said, because you have to be taught evolution. Anywhere that we go and we discover ethnic group, whether it's they've been isolated for centuries or whatever it is, they're always worshiping something. Because man's natural response to creation is creative. It's our natural response. The reality that there is a living God, we see it in creation. Amen. My cousin Bobby was the first one to give his life to the Lord, besides all my cousins and everybody. And then, I think within a month, two months later, he gave his life to the Lord in Michigan. Then about a month or two months later, I gave my life to the Lord here in Wisconsin. The Lord had separated me from Michigan. I couldn't go back to Michigan even if I wanted because when I left Michigan, I had warrants. That's a long story. <laughs> I ended up facing that five years later after me and Heather were already married. I had mercy. Ended up getting pulled over with another guy and sat in Rock County for a month and then I got extradited back to Michigan. I was facing two counts of grand larceny which are both felonies. And uh, Praise God, I was released and out within a month. Amen. But I fasted 19 of those 30 days. <laughs> I did, I mean, you know, uh, I was changed. I wasn't that same person. And when I had to, my mom and Heather and my brother and his daughter and Melissa, 
his wife, my dad came to see me on Easter, to be sitting there, you know, you're behind the glass and everything in your life is changed, and you see your daughter, her first Easter, in a dress, and you don't get to hold her. It's a bad, bad feeling. <laughs> but um, a little over a month later, hey, I held her, praise God. And the result of that was is they dropped one of them, and then uh, the other one, I didn't plan on giving my testimony this morning, but <laughs> and the other one, uh, they put as a high-class misdemeanor. The judge told me if I stay out of trouble for a year, which I hadn't been in trouble, uh, at that time I hadn't been in trouble for five years. I mean, Michigan hadn't even seen me, so <laughs> uh, he said that he would leave it open for a year, and then after a year he would expunge it from my record, and that was almost ten years ago. And what you see standing here is because of the, the people who prayed for me. That's why when I was listening to my cousin Jesse, to know Jesse's story, his mom passed away two years ago. My Aunt Kathy and uh, her and four other women from leaders in the church were coming back and a uh, car ran a red light, hit their car pushed them into the other lane of our incoming sunrise. Yeah, they, they all died on impact. And that was a hard time for our family, but, you know, the Bible says that God raises beauty out of ashes. And my Aunt Kathy, while she was here, like my mom, she didn't get to see the fulfillment of what she was believing God for. But as I was listening to him preach, he was almost done, and Heather said something. She said, you know, she said, I just get this picture of your Aunt Kathy watching him when he was preaching. And she said, somebody standing beside her. And she said, you see that? You see that? Amen. So I texted Jesse this morning, and I said, man, bud, I just got done listening to your last message. I said, it's a good message. I said, your mama would be proud. I said, uh, praise God that she's not just part of your past, but she's part of our future. Amen. Amen. And it's true. It's true. Because of the goodness of God, we get to see the effects of his reality and who He is displayed in the people that we love. Amen. Amen. And it's because of people like my Uncle Ethan, my mom, my Aunt Kathy, that uh, most of our family serve. Most of our family serve in the Lord. Amen. It is that He could take people like us and make our lives valuable. Not only valuable to Him, but then valuable to people around us. Amen that our lives become the fruit that's extended from God. Amen. That feeds other people. Amen. That is good. I'm going to be teaching on love. The Bible says that the love of God was shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. First of all, what I want you to recognize is that the Bible says that the love of God. So whose love is it? It's God's love. Where was it put? And our hearts by who? The Holy Spirit. Amen. 
So we have the love of God that's been deposited in our hearts. And then it says, by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. We're going to start in 1 Corinthians. We're going to start in chapter 13. God is faithful. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Father, for the opportunity to bring your word this morning. I thank you for the power and the reality of your Holy Spirit. I thank you that your re- the reality of your love becomes tangible in the hearts of all the believers who are listening to this today or will hear it in the future, Father. I ask you to minister grace and the abundance of it that you have for us, Lord, that is unlimited, Lord God, and it's, it's completely undeserved. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the ability that you give us. And we thank you for it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. The description, actually, I'll start it back up at verse 1, because the description, this is known as the love chapter. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It is the love chapter. It lets us know what love is and what love looks like. Amen. Amen. Okay, here we go. Verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I have become as a sounding brass or a tinging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and can understand all mysteries and knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could say to this mountain, be removed and have not love, I am nothing. And though I give everything I have to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it doesn't profit me anything. Love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. Love is not prideful. Love is not arrogant. It does not behave itself unseemly. It does not seek her own. It is not easily provoked, and it thinketh no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Love, it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And then it says, love never fails. Amen. We're going to keep reading because it's just the anointing that's here. Love never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I also am known. And now abideth faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Preachers over the centuries have used from verse 8 to verse 13 to fight against spiritual gifts. And that's not at all what Paul is talking about. Paul is actually talking about the greatest gift is love. And you could ask yourself, how could love outweigh prophecy? Or how could love outweigh speaking in tongues? The Bible says that God is love. It doesn't say that God possesses love. See, God is love. It's in who He is. See, love is not just something God does. Love is an extension of who He is. Amen. As I went through this, I actually marked it. I said, there's seven things that right here in 1 Corinthians 4-8 through defines what love is. 
But then there's eight things that tells us what love is not. I asked the question to God, I said, what would be the purpose in knowing what love isn't if we know what love is? Good question, right? If seven of them is defining what love is and then eight of these things describing love tells you what it's not, there has to be a significance to it. Amen? Because listen what it says. Love, it suffers long. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love is not prideful. Love thinks no evil of anyone. That right there, when a thought comes into my mind to talk about somebody, that right there is my go-to verse. Love thinks no evil. Love thinks no evil. Amen. And it says in James, I believe it's chapter 4, he said, why do you speak evil of your brother? He said, don't you know that he who speaks evil of his brother judges the law? And he said that if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. I read that this morning and I told Heather, I said, if I speak evil of my brother, how does that make me a judge of the law? And we came to the, to, to the conclusion by the Holy Ghost that when you judge the law, you're judging the one who paid for the full penalty of that law. Amen. Because all the judgment of that law fell upon Christ. So when you judge your brother according to the law, you're actually judging the law, but then on top of that, you're judging the payment that was paid. Because you would have to put yourself back under the law in order to judge somebody by the law. Because you can't operate in the spirit of love, which is the spirit of God, and still continue to speak evil of somebody. Because the love of God has been shed abroad where? In your hearts. By who? The Holy Ghost, which you have. Jesus said, I wouldn't leave you comfortless or as orphans. He said, it's good that I go because if I don't go, then the Holy Ghost cannot come. See, when Jesus left, the Spirit of God was able not only to come into the earth in its fullness, but it was able to come into you in its fullness. So now you have the life force that raised Jesus from the dead living and dwelling inside of you. And according to Romans chapter 8, it says that God will quicken your mortal bodies by the Spirit that dwells in you. Amen. So because God is love, so it says that love deposited love in your heart by love because the Holy Ghost is an extension of who God is. And if God is love, then the Holy Ghost, which is God, which is the fullness of love in itself, now dwells in your heart. So the access for love is now made available to you through the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we have the opportunity to not walk in judgment or to speak evil of somebody because we have that love of God. So now the love of God, which is not something God does, it's an extension of who he is, is now placed in our hearts. So that same love that's been extended to us through the person of Christ by the Holy Ghost, now we have the opportunity to extend that same love to somebody else. Amen. Because if somebody would have spoke evil of me, the people, because James says, he says, speak not evil one of another brethren. Okay. So he's speaking to born again Christians when he says this. 
He says, speak not evil one of another brethren. So if he's speaking to a born-again Christian, okay, I could never be in the position that I am if a born-again Christian would have spoke evil of me. See, I had people praying for me. And prayer is what makes all the difference. I'm a believer in prayer. Amen. When I woke up this morning, I know that I had food poisoning from yesterday. My eyes felt heavy. I felt so sick. I told Heather, I said, I woke up at what, five o'clock? And I told her, I got to go lay down. I said, I said, I feel like I'm going to throw up. And I went and laid down. And as I laid down, I said, God, you got to have people pray for me. Usually the person who's in something is not the one who's going to pray their way out of it. <laughs> They're not because circumstances have surrounded them. And in that moment, I felt sick. The last thing I wanted to do was start quoting scriptures. But I have enough sense. If I'm not up for it, I need somebody too. Within probably a minute or two later, Heather comes in. And she just lays down and places her head on my stomach and just starts praying in the Holy Ghost. And I get up and she says, where are you going? And I just go into the bathroom and I end up throwing up. It helped me tremendously. See, while I was laying there, I was trying to fight throwing up. <laughs> I hate that feeling. Besides condemnation, there's no other feeling that feels worse than throwing up. <laughs> that is the truth, praise God. <laughs> and uh, man, I ate shredded chicken. Heather said, you're the only one to eat shredded chicken yesterday, and it looked like grounded up tobacco. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. And uh, Mark called me five minutes minutes later. <laughs> he said, I'm just calling to pray for you. How you doing? I said, I'm doing a lot better now. Praise God. <laughs> I wasn't doing good, but I'm doing good now. Amen. But prayer. I mean, the reality that when we enter into a place of prayer for somebody else, regardless of what situation they're in in life, do you know why the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law were so upset with Jesus? Because he would go in and eat with people they declared pagans. I mean, you're talking about tax collectors, prostitutes, known sinners in the community, and this man who's supposed to be a pastor is down there eating at the prostitute's house. Wrong judgment. Amen. Wrong judgment. Because... Jesus was the Son of God and He had the Holy Spirit. Look, the stuff that was on them wasn't going to get on Him. Christians live their lives like if I associate with somebody who's not saved, somehow it's going to make me dirty. Well, what if it makes them clean? Amen. I'm not saying partake in the things that they're doing. I'm talking about the love of Jesus that's willing to stoop to the level of a prostitute, though he was the Son of God, the King of the universe. Amen. Willing to meet somebody who is selling themselves for money. Is that love? Absolutely it is. When you see the word repent, because we've been so indoctrinated through religious tradition, when we see the word repent, we think that it means just turning from sin. If you read the scriptures, and most churches associate it with the keeping of the law, you need to repent because you haven't been keeping the law. Let me tell you something. When Jesus was on earth, he told the Pharisees, unless you repent, 
you too shall likewise perish. He told them that prostitutes and pagans and tax collectors are entering into the kingdom of God before you. And let me tell you something, the Pharisees were the best at keeping the law. Very best. Nobody kept the law like the Pharisees or the Sadducees. They had been trained since children in the law. So Jesus was not talking to them about their ability to keep the law better. He was talking about looking at their ability not to keep the law. Because the Bible says if you missed it in one point, guess what? You've broken all of them. Because if you break one law, you're still a transgressor. So when he's telling them to repent, it's not to repent from just sins that they had committed. It's to repent from the religion that they had taken upon themselves that they were holy enough to enter into the kingdom of God. But these people weren't. And he said, unless you repent from that, you two will perish. But he said, but we've taken that. We haven't. We did. But now we don't. <laughs> we took in that and we've said that you have to somehow repent from sin or God's going to judge you. He wasn't telling them to repent from sin. Did they need to repent from sin? Absolutely. But is your ability to repent from sin, is that what's going to get you into the kingdom of God? Or is it going to be your trust that you've put in Jesus that freed you from that sin, that put you in a place of, of sonship, that gave you the ability to overcome those things and made you something that you could never become on your own? It's trusting in His ability that comes on your ability which takes you into a higher place. See, we have the ability to walk in love even when our flesh don't want to. I'm serious, because some people you really do have to love by faith. I'm not joking. <laughs> you say, God, you love him, and by faith I love this guy, and right now my flesh wants to choke him, but I'm going to pray for him. <laughs> you have that ability. <laughs> Amen. Because we have the Spirit of God, which was given to us. Set abroad. Amen. The Spirit of love himself. God is love. He is love. Amen. You see the spirit of religion get on uh, James and John? They were very zealous for God. I mean, if, if the spirit of religion can get on James and John, then certainly it can get on us. <laughs> These men were trained for three and a half years under Jesus, and it's coming to the end of Jesus' ministry. Jesus is going to Jerusalem. He was going to stop in Samaria. But guess what? <laughs> they didn't accept him. And James and John loving Jesus the way they did because they did love Jesus. They didn't like people too much, but they, they loved Jesus. He changed that. He changed that. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. They said, Lord, they said, shall we call down fire from heaven and consume them like the prophet Elijah did? They thought they were right. But do you know what Jesus said to them? Because they had, them Samaritans just rejected Jesus. Now, if you, if you're familiar with the story in John chapter four, there was a woman who was at the well. Jesus told her some things about her past. And she went back into the city and she said, come meet a man who told me all things that I did. And the Bible said that the whole city came out there to meet him and that he stayed with him for three days. So, I mean, Jesus stayed with them, taught them for three days. Then he's coming back through, and because he looked like he was going to still go to Jerusalem, they didn't want him there. So James and John, being the good Christians that they were, 
misguided. <laughs> Said, let's just destroy them all. Jesus, we can call fire from heaven. I honestly believe they thought they could. Because they had been walking with Jesus. Miracles had become a common occurrence in their lives. See, before Jesus, a miracle would happen there. A miracle would happen here. All of a sudden, people are getting healed by the thousands, hundreds of thousands. I mean, there's testimonies all over the Middle East about this man named Jesus. And so much that people from Greece, the Seraphonician woman... People are coming from all over to see Jesus. I mean, these Greeks came to Philip and said, we desire to see the Master. I mean, these are people from Greece desiring to see Jesus. His fame went out in so much that they wanted to make him king of Israel. He became famous because all these miracles were becoming a common thing. But in the miracle, they missed the heart. They missed the heart of the Father that Jesus was trying to show them. In this moment where they feel real religious because someone rejected Jesus, I'm sure we've all been there in that religious mindset. Just take them to hell then. They rejected you. They deserve judgment. We've all done it. But Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. That's the religious spirit that comes upon people that love Jesus. These weren't pagans. These were Israelites. These were trained under the ministry of Jesus. Everywhere Jesus went, James, John, and Peter. Everywhere. They seen stuff that no one else seen. And in this moment of someone rejecting Jesus, instead of going to love, they want to turn to judgment. And Jesus says to them, the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives to save them. And you think that after that, that Jesus would entrust the gospel of salvation to two men who wanted to destroy a whole village of people. <laughs> you would think, surely not them, Lord. <laughs> Don't entrust them. But what happened on the day of Pentecost that changed James and John to where John actually writes five chapters where John actually writes a whole book and he calls himself the Beloved. And in 1 John, those five chapters, he's reminding you of the love of God towards you. Amen. So what would transform John from the man that wanted to destroy a whole village because of the rejection of Jesus to one of the greatest disciples that understood the revelation of love like no other disciple? Because on the day of Pentecost, guess what? The love of God was shed abroad in his heart by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Whose love was it? Where was it put? By whom? Amen. Amen. By the Holy Ghost. See, we've been partakers of this fruit that God has deposited into us by that Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm going to go to Galatians chapter 5 real fast. I lost Galatians. There it is. <laughs> it will be verse 22. This is the fruit of the Spirit. So this is the fruit that Christians are supposed to have residing in them because of the Holy Spirit, which was shed abroad in our heart or which was given to us, and God's love was shed abroad in our heart. 
It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Why is the first one love? That's the most important one because none of these other gifts can work outside of love. Even your faith, the Bible says, works by love. Amen. The first one he lists is the most important. It's who God is. It's love. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. And out of love, you have joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness. This fruit that's in your spirit actually produces faith and self-control. Amen. This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I heard Pastor Kevin from our old church saying that people act like, I got to grow this fruit. This fruit needs six months to grow. You know, if you lose your temper with somebody, well, you could say, well, the fruit of patience really hasn't been developed in me yet. You know, I'm I'm still growing that fruit, but we're working on it. This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is a tree that's been planted in your life that you can pluck that fruit anytime you need it because you have this Holy Spirit, and you have the love of God which was shed in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Do you know that the Bible says that sin shall no longer have dominion over you? And we take that as huge sins. Do you know walking in bitterness and unforgiveness or resentment? Do you know that's sin? But it says that these things shall no longer have dominion over you. Sin. The Bible even says that him who knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. And the Word of God just told you that those things don't have dominion over your life anymore because you've been set free by the love of God. The love of God made you love. Amen. The hardest person in the world, there's been serial killers who turned to God with repentance and cried the first tear that they've cried since they were children. Because the love of God and the reality that He exists, when He moves in, the junk gots to move out. Amen. And the tolerance that He has for other people now becomes ours. Now we have the tolerance for them. I remember that I worked at a place called DeLong, and man, I wanted to leave that place so bad. I said, God, these guys are all going to hell. None of them want you here. I have to listen to cussing all day long. I hate cussing. You know, I could, I could sit and have a conversation with somebody who's cussing right now. Wouldn't even burn my eyes. Wouldn't even matter. Because I'm not focused on their words. I'm focused on them. And see, God sees the best in them. Even when it's hard for us to see, God sees it. And God still has hope for them. And He wants you to carry that same hope. So the hope that He has for them becomes a reality in their life so that they can have some hope in themselves. I thank God that He didn't leave me where I was. I thank God that He called me out of darkness, like the song says, and into His marvelous light. Praise God. I've been made a child of the light, but God seen that when I was still living in darkness. My mom seen that when I was still living in darkness. My cousin Jesse, my Aunt Kathy seen that in Jesse when he was still living in darkness. What if the only people that could help us who had the light just didn't see any light in us? You are the only people that can help a lost and dying world. And if all you see is darkened people, they will never come to the light. Never. 
Amen. But the Bible says a city set on a hill cannot hide. And then it tells you that you're the city that's been set on the hill. And then he says not to hide, (laughs) but to give light unto the room. Amen. I got this picture in my mind a long time ago of this forest being really dark and it's a really crowded forest. This is just a picture in my mind. And I seen somebody running with a candle in the forest. Big forest, little bitty candle. And in my heart I said I could still see the flame. Even though all that darkness was around, it's the little bitty flame that drew your attention. And it's the flame of the life and the fire and the power of God that when people are engrossed in darkness, that they'll see there's some light there. And they didn't realize that it had gotten so dark. God is a giver of life. He's the giver of life. You know, there's nothing more than that I like to see than a baby laughing. I mean, oh my goodness. I don't care where it's at. When you hear a baby laughing, you just want to laugh. Do you know that that child is inside every one of us? That God just wants to see them laugh. And that darkness and pressure of this life has clouded the judgment of people who belong to God. And when we bring them back to the reality of who they are, not only will God laugh, but we'll laugh too because of what He's done. Amen. This bothers me because I'll tell somebody, because I know circumstances in life, I'll tell somebody, man, God has a great plan for your life. And they say, I've heard that, you know. First couple of years I believed it. I've seen a plan making out. They give up hope. God's destined every one of us to reach out in a capacity that we can only reach out with if we're rooted and grounded in love. To restart fires that the devil has put out in people's lives. To rebirth hope that God gave them years ago that they gave up on. He wants you to tell them that it's not too late. Regardless of where you find yourself in this life, that God is still God and He still loves you and He still has a plan for your life. Amen. And it's a great plan. Even if it's been diminished by men, it's still great in the heart of God. Amen. Amen. Where did I get to think no evil? <laughs> Rejoices in the truth, believes all things, love never fails. Not arrogant, not rude, not self-seeking, not easily angered, does not rejoice in sin. Love bears all things. Love endures all things. Amen. Amen. You guys are the city that's set on the hill. You can't be there. When we choose to walk in love over judgment, I tell you what, love wins everything. Because God is love. And when we side with love, we side with God. Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this word. I thank you for the body of believers that's gathered here today. I thank you that you were lifted up and you were exalted and you were glorified today, Father. I thank you that this message, that the reality that we do have the love of God that's been given to us by the Holy Spirit, that we have love inside of us that enables us to extend love and to know love. And I thank you for that love that you've given us, that it's a free gift, that you can't earn it. 
You can't buy it. You can't work for it. I thank you, Father, that you have a perfect and good will and plan for our lives, Lord God. And I ask you just to bless, Lord Jesus, your people that are gathered here today. And Lord God, bless the rest of our day today, Lord Jesus. And just let our days be filled with laughter and joy and rejoicing. In Jesus' name, amen.